Hey everyone, and welcome to An Eventful Life with Brad Cox and Shane Buzzer. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. An Eventful Life is the podcast where we take you on a journey through eventful lives of inspirational event leaders from around the world. That's right, Brad. We'll be sharing their stories, impact, and insight into the complex world of events. So if you like these stories, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your mates. This is An Eventful Life. Hello, Buzz. How are you, mate? I'm good, Brad. Yourself? Yes, very, very well. What's been happening? I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. It's It's been a couple of weeks, but uh, no, lots happening. We're, we're absolutely uh, flat chat. What about yourself? What's happening? Uh, full steam ahead, mate. So there's uh, no rest for the wicked, as they say. Um, uh, and speaking of that, let's get, should we get straight into it I today? I think we should. I'm pretty excited. The ball of energy that we have in this room at the moment is uh, is awesome. Yeah, so, I, yeah. Can, I can tell you the testosterone is flying. But uh, <laughs> hey, today we're going to dive into the world of event security, which, uh, which always gets me a bit on my toes. Uh, but today's guest has been looking after events and everyone involved in them for decades. He's grown one of the most successful security companies in Australia, if not the world, has worked for the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, enjoyed the wild ride of life and currently uses his business and people skills to provide practical leadership to other business owners. Uh, it's a pleasure to welcome to an event for life, Harry Corris. Welcome, Harry. Thank you, Brad and Buzz. Great to be here. It's good to see you, mate. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. Yes. And yes. how's about the intro? I told oh, you. Unbelievable. Oh. World's best. <laughs> he, he nailed it, right? He's nailed up, it. He's up. He's yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's not about me. It's about you today, Harry. Um, so we we like to start with sort of a, a bit of an idea of, of letting everyone know about you and where you come from and stuff. But uh, before you get into we get into the security conversations, let's go back to the beginning. You were a boy who grew up in the inner suburbs of Brunswick in Melbourne. What was life like growing up in the the seventies and eighties yeah. and, and running around the good in, old days? The good days, yeah, yeah. the good days. Yeah, look, yeah, uh, born and bred Brunswick, still in Brunswick. You can't get me out of there, you know. Um, great times, you know, fantastic days. And, you know, it's not the Brunswick of today, you know. It was uh, certainly different, rough, uh, industrial, all that sort of stuff. Migrants, you know, the old wogs and us and Greeks. I'm Greek, you know. <laughs> good food. Um, great food, you know, <laughs> as you still can is. tell. Still is. Um, yeah, but really good times. And But you know what? Great grounding and great learnings of many things of what to do and not to do. And, you know... Uh, you know, you got to pick some teams and pick some sides and, you know, your direction, where you're going and what you're going to do, you know? Yeah, great. And you started ACG. Well, we'll now jump into ACG. Yeah. So um, you started ACG from the ground up. And for those listening, ACG was a huge security company mm. in Australia. You started it from the ground up in 2001. How did you get involved in security and how did ACG first come about? Yeah. Well, two good questions. Number one, how did I get in security? Myself and a dear friend of mine were... Training at the gym, Brunswick Bars, back then, you know, it was a cheap gym. They wanted to get the kids off the street. <laughs> they did this program. It was 10 bucks a year. So, you know, we... 10 we, bucks a year? 10 bucks Jeez. a year. Wow. Bloody tight asses, you know, for us. <laughs> but, you know, growing up with nothing, it was fantastic for us. And we're in the gym and then one day a bloke says, oh, you two, you know, can you fight, you know? And we're like, oh, man, we can fight, you know. We're Brunswick, what boys, of course yeah, we can fight. Yeah. Mate, let's go, you know. <laughs> he says, right, you're working with us tonight. Don't be late. So we jump on the back door of a nightclub. He says, nobody comes in, no matter what happens here, you know, you give them a stamp out and then they've got to come in through the front door. We said, how good is this? And, you know, we did our job very well, we thought. We got asked to come back again and that was it. I was about 16, 17 at the time. Oh, wow. And for me it was like, yeah, I like this. So I always talk about the story, you know, we went from the back door to the front door, you know, mm. the big promotion. But, you know, uh, you asked me the question about ACG, but in between all that I worked for many different companies. I had a child very young, I was 18 when I had my daughter. And all I want to do is just buy some nappies for it, you know, and yeah. 
grow this kid, you know, so I had to do what I had to do and different nightclubs, different pubs and different things that I did in life and, you know, I saw some major things and bloody lost an eye and major incidences and different wow. things and, you know, it grows you up and growing up in Brunswick back then, you know, there was some serious players and I had to make a decision, am I running with these blokes or am I going to run with, with this crew, you know, and this crew here, they used to call me Harry the Hira, you know, United Nations, where all <laughs> That's a whole other story we could get into now, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so I... I started working for all these other companies and what they did, they promised me the world, but they gave me the Atlas and I thought, this, this is it. I need to do my own thing. So there was a big gap between 2001. So you've got to remember many years before that, I'm doing many other things. And, but I got involved with the AFL when security got introduced to the AFL and I was lucky to work for that company and get to meet a lot of fantastic people in the AFL. And then when I decided to leave that company because I was getting nothing, I thought, well, I'll do my own thing and I started ACG. And it's interesting because what people don't know about ACG is that we took that name off Nike, all conditioned gear, ACG. Oh, you know? I was going to ask you, what does ACG stand for? That's what it was, for? you know. So uh, it was Australian corporate guards, you know, it was, a, you know, Australian corporate Greeks. It was all funny <laughs> jokes between the boys, you know. But so 2001, there was no there was no um, thing in my, my mind that we're going to be a $100 million business. We're going to be the biggest. This is what we're going to do. No more pubs and clubs, only events and corporate. That was it. Wow. So you made that decision that early on. Straight away. Like, this is exactly what we want yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Why did you go down that path? Um, I, not I don't, I, not I think, I know because of what I went through for that 10 years prior, yeah. if you like. Yeah. Didn't uh, want to repeat it. And so I it didn't was, want to, So was yeah. it methodical, Harry, in that, you know, um, everything that you learned and you're now saying you just wanted to stay in events, did you understand or did you feel you understood what the proper yes. method was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we grew and we were the biggest event security company in Australia. So we had that title. You named the event, we had it, you know. Everything everything here except the MCG, which we got robbed on, you know, but <laughs> true story. Um, uh, you know, South Australia, we had everything, the new stadium there, Tour Down Under, everything you could possibly think of, Queensland, Brisbane International, different things, you know. And, and why do you think you guys were successful in that compared to your competitors? Like what was your yeah. point of difference that they, every event went, yes, you're the go-to guys? Because we, we just weren't heads on sticks, you know. We were everything. So our motto was we take on the world for you. So any event that we took on, there was nothing we wouldn't do for you. Anything you asked, we'll get it done for you. You know, that was our motto. And we're hands on, you know. We were hands on. I'm in uniform on the floor. I'm not in my corporate box sipping champagne, making sure the boys are okay. The troops eat first, you know. So that was our motto. And clients loved it. And there's security, obviously, but risk. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind with everything that you're telling me now, you, you were effectively risk managers Correct. before yep. risk managers Correct. were a thing in the events world am i yeah. right Correct. yeah and it's strange because you know a lot of people say oh security does this and that you know let's not forget we're not at the opera you know we're, we're dealing with i started to do pubs and clubs right but talk about now what's it called marvel stadium near mm. telstra Dome, colonial whatever world's it biggest pub <laughs> it is on a friday night right so yeah. who's doing the biggest pub in town it's there yeah um so you need to deal with that and unfortunately you got to do what you got to do and did you see the the risk elements change from when you first started way back then yes. and to what risk and security is now? Yes, yeah. So we went from, <clears throat> excuse me, don't smoke here, sir, don't drink glass bottles anymore, you can't bring the esky in, family <laughs> bays, yeah. to guess what, they're going to blow the joint up. Yeah. You know, that was the big thing. The bomb's going to go off and if it goes off, how are we going to deal with it, you know? Huge, yeah. huge change. And what about your own personal learning curve through that, obviously from where you started to then being able to adapt to that? Is there certain avenues you had to go down yes. to improve yeah. your business and, and yourself personally yeah. to be able to deal with that? I'm glad you asked that because that was one of our points of difference and that's that I I'd searched for world's best practice. So I, I went around the world to find the best stadiums, who does it different, who's been through the trauma, 
funny enough, I, I visit Trump Towers and I had a meeting with the security manager there only for 15 minutes he gave me. I flew to New York for 15 oh, wow. minutes. Yep. But, you know, we picked up a, a thing there called predictive profiling. So, you know, it's 38 degrees outside and he's Shane and Buzz in there beanies and hoodies and big jackets when it's not normal so we're walking up to you saying oh g'day steve you go no brad we've got your name we're smelling your breath we're starting profiling you start yeah, building right. it. but i've got all this from overseas brought it back here and could tell a story and the clients say well how are you going to do it and i say give me the contract i'll give you the ingredients yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it obviously worked it worked um speaking about that and in terms of building your business and obviously part of that networking and, and that research is, is part of it but you were in a world where, you know, digital didn't exist in those early days in particular. What were some of your methods for growth, growth and uh, business development in particular? Yeah, so my biggest belief was that, you know, lots of people meet very few connect, right? I learned that very, very young. And everyone's your client, everyone's your potential client. But one thing that we were doing, what I was doing, I was running a great security company, but I wasn't running a good business. You know, there were two different things. So I learned very quick that I had to bring in the business people to run the business and let the security people run security and then along the journey get them to speak so that we're all doing what we're supposed to do, you know. It, and was that a difficult transition for you as a security guy? And and I guess where I go with that is at what point did you put what hat on as a business owner, mm. particularly a, you know, a small business owner or even a medium size, you know, you're on, constantly wearing two different hats. And allow change really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or embrace change. I embrace change. Yeah. And that was the big thing. So you remember when we started, we, we hired all our family and friends yeah. and try and explain to them that we, we will be this business and we want you to behave like this and dress like that. One thing that we instilled into our organisation was everybody was in a suit, non-negotiable, shirt tie, non-negotiable. We were not going to be in our polos and act like typical security blokes because we're not. And our clients were never in a polo shirt or that because the people that we were dealing with. So... It was a hard transition. And you've got to remember, you know, I'm talking about a Brunswick High year eight dropout, you know, and then I started reading the BRW, the Finn Review got introduced to me. I started to go, oh, okay, I know this, I know that client. And you'll remember 2001, 2002, we secured Coca-Cola, biggest brand in the world at the time. Mm. I mean, who are we? 50 cents in the bank to take Coca-Cola. But we had a story wow. to tell and they believed us. I think it was like 70 grand a year and we finished 14 million, you know, later. So... Bit of a bigger story, but you know. Do you think it was at it, uh, of its time, Harry? You know, you talk about everyone wore the suit and the shirt and the tie, and there's a place for it, but it's a bit more casual now in the business world. But at the time, yes, that was the way to do it. Am I right? Yeah, we we had to portray a complete different image. Yeah, you know, because when you said security, they think thugs, mm -hmm. nightclubs, pubs. This is who they are, and of course, when yep. you got some bigger blokes coming in with you, and then we had to introduce females into our organisation that were amazing operators, you know, who went off to work with some of the biggest bands in the world that work with us, still send me messages, you know, love hearts and that, still love them, <laughs> you know. But, you know, that whole transition of how we're going to become something completely different than what was already out there, you know. How did you manage that culturally, internally, yeah, um, particularly? Hard. Yeah, was it difficult in terms of where it was and again to where it is now? And probably behavioural changes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I'll answer it like this. You've got to remember the industry was full of ex-coppers, yeah. okay? Mongrels, you know, ex-coppers, mm. <laughs> different. different. They had connections. They'll get the job because they knew the bloke that knows the bloke and very much a boys' club and this is how we're going to do things. And we said, we're not doing that. You know, this is who we are. You need people like us to get this job done, right? But we had to transition our people to start thinking differently. Yeah. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, spelling, written, wrote. I'll never forget it, you know. Brad and I, you know, me and Brad, you know, we have to change everyone's thinking of how you speak. And not only that, if I'm signing you in on one of our corporate sites, right, and I, good morning, sir, how are you? Uh, all good, yeah, I'm here to see Brad. Yeah, not a problem. And then, yeah, thanks, mate. Well, you've ruined it. I'm not your mate. 
continue the professionalism. So continually instilling this into the troops that came down from the top. Fish rots at the head, right? So my behaviour reflected throughout the whole business. Did you get any backlash internally? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Several. I mean, we moved people on that just wouldn't fit the mould. Yeah, right. Um, We were 24-7, literally 24-7. You know, there's no... uh, And you talk about digital and all that. We didn't believe in press one for this and two for that. Answer the phone, you know. Mm. We're in the people business, not the security business. So... Oh, what an an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it is. And I mean, look, everything you're telling us is fascinating, but in in the the contracts that you were getting, it can be quite a vanilla world in the way Mm. that they negotiate and, you know, I guess... Did you have to finesse the contract in accordance to who you were dealing with? Um, yeah, I guess, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Coca-Cola was a good example where they've got drink fillers, people that go around fill up the drink machines because you can press and drink Coca-Cola all day or whatever you want, right? We noticed that those people were running late and we said, we'll fill up the machine for it. So we become drink fillers. Then we took over the cars, the fleet cars. We'll do that for you. It's not 30,000 odd vehicles. You've got to do the fleet. We'll be the nurses. We started to see things differently. And I wanted my people to take the blinkers off, you know. And there's an old saying, you know, the invisible hands to open the doors you can't see. You know, I said that to Arnold. You, actually, you, started you laughing. said that to me <laughs> 10 years ago, Harry, and go. I still remember it. Yeah, yeah. you know. So we want it, you've got to make them think different. Otherwise, you're just going to act like a security guard. Sorry, you can't come in, stand there. They don't care who you are, what you do. There's a time and place for that too, right? But not, not, not at a management level, not when you're trying to grow. Something I always found with security is that I hated the response I don't know. The response is, I don't know, but I'll find out for you or I'll work with you. Was that something that you really instilled? And maybe I got that from you. I'm not Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. We, I don't know, it didn't exist. Yeah. You know, uh, not an option. Find out. Was work it, it. Was it a challenge to find effectively employees and team members and security people that, that would buy into the way you were Absolutely. going about it, but given where they were coming from and sort of those backgrounds of ex-coppers and so yeah, forth. Yeah, yes. You know, okay, yes, you can change them once they get there, but for them to even go, yes, I'm on board and I want to work this way must have been it's, a challenge. It's funny you say that, Brad. I'll tell you, I'll never forget once at the Falls Festival, we had an ex-policeman, uh, ex-head of the armed robbery squad. I mean, tough bloke, right? You know this guy. And he worked the pit, never worked the pit in his life. He thought he was throwing people back in the Dibby van. You know, he, mm. <laughs> he was just grabbing a whistle. And then I looked over and I pulled him up and I said, hey, these are just kids having a good time. You know, they're crowd surfing. Our job is to make sure they land safely. We, we put them back in the crowd because, you know, we're on a farm. We can't throw them out. You yeah. can't put a sign up and yeah. say don't crowd surf because, you know, three change days. everybody's way of thinking. And we're a family but not a family-run business, if that makes sense, because okay. it was business. Am I right, Harry, in saying though that um, some of the some of the people that kind of started working with you with ACG stayed all the way through, right through? Yeah. So yeah. tell us a bit about that and some of those relationships. You know, a lot of loyalty, uh, giving back. You know, as I said, troops eat first. There was nothing we wouldn't do for you if you were part of the inner circle and the team, because uh, we knew that you were there for us twenty four seven, no matter what. But along that journey, they had to be educated. You know, uh, they had to learn different ways of doing business that it was a business, it's not only security, and then we had to teach them all the security things, that new ways of doing business, you know. Uh, but they stuck with me. Some didn't, some didn't make it. Some, were, you know, forgot um, who feeds them and where their loyalties lay, you know, but the business stayed strong and, you know. And I'm really excited to hear so many of these people have gone off to be the director of security at Melbourne Park, you know. Yeah. Big O, you know. Big O, yeah. Started as an 18-year-old kid with me, you know, working pubs. Uh, and here he is, the boss of the, you know, the uh, Melbourne Park. Even you know? Mustafa, who we mentioned Mustafa, before. Mustafa, yeah. control room, you know. I've got hundreds of them, you know. 
And that excites me to see these kids or walk down the street. My wife always says, oh, not again, you know, we're going somewhere. <laughs> and they Who say, you oh, say? you know, I said, oh, well, you know, I bought a house because of you. I said, no, 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 you did that. You did that. I didn't do that. You contributed to our success, which was your success too, you know, so. It must be a great sense of pride for you in seeing the way you've set other pe- people's lives up. But even the fact that they've stayed involved in the industry for so many mm. people, you know, based on the foundations that you built. Yeah, uh, look, it excites me to know that, you know, a lot of our employees were not even security people. They worked for banks. We had chemists. We had pharmacists. We had builders. We had so many different things and, you know, yeah. um, different people from different areas of life and whatever, you know, that have all then – some of them just made some big decisions to quit that job and stay full-time with us, you know, so. Which is fascinating also because we're in such a labor shortage now, right? Yes. And everything I'm hearing, Harry, is that people wanted to come Correct. and work. Yeah. Well, company of choice. We love them. We love them, you know. I'll give you an example of that, right? Different cultures, so you know, uh, Greeks, you know, the, the Greeks and all that, the Muslims, the Indian kids, this different culture, different food, right? So a sausage to you and I is just a snag, you know, bunnies, whatever. But you know, we bought halal food for them, so they were halal sausages. You know, one little thing like that 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 went miles, you know, and they never forgot that, and that went throughout the whole community. Makes them feel appreciated, mm. but that didn't give them the green light to behave how they want to behave. You come to us, you behave. These are the rules, and this is how we behave. You know. What do you think is one of the most underestimated or misinformed understandings when it comes to security and events? Early formed. I think the biggest thing here is today is everyone's just chasing a dollar. You know, everyone's chasing a dollar. They don't, they don't know who's who. They don't know who's working for them. They've got no client relationship. There's no real – they wouldn't even know who the band is. They wouldn't know what's happening. They wouldn't know what event's on. They just want to get in and get out. You know, there's no – let's get on to the next job, you know. So transactional, you mean? Transaction, no yeah. relationship, you know. Lost the service and to your Go point on. earlier, the people people part. Look at the big players. You know, they're all owned by internationals. There's no local serious players anymore, serious players, you know. They've just been swallowed up by the big players, you know. Mm. Do you miss it? Uh, there was times I miss it, you know, but I enjoy my freedom. I decided when I was at ACG back then, I said, I'm not going to work Fridays. Everybody had a laugh. You know, I bought a property up at um, the bush and, you know, I, I didn't realise how good it would be to cut grass on a lawnmower, you know, <laughs> free my head. And But it was a, also a, a, a test to see whether this business can operate without me, which it did. And that was my ultimate aim. Um, so do I miss it? I miss elements of it because I know that we would do things completely different and, you know, we, we, we would have very satisfied clients and and – employees and life balance at the time you know it's you grew Hard. to such a big Hard. company yeah yeah i always tell this story my wife hates it but you know she she i think it was like early you know i don't know whatever year it was but you know and she asked me a question which is a real weird question well tell me the last time you took me to the pictures you know to the movies you been smart here what sort of questions that you know and that was a big turning point for me because i thought hold on the last movie I watched was Rocky Four back in 1968, yeah. you know. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, you know, every everybody takes their girlfriend to the bloody movies, you know. like. And I thought, wow, you know, we've just got into this so quick and things have happened so quick and I met her, you know, I was running clubs and, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, this lady just wants to have a family and be one unit and, you know, I've done everything good. I'm, I'm a good, I'm a good, you know, good well, boyfriend then. I wasn't even married to her. She just wanted to get married, you know. So we did the big Greek wedding, got her baptised, all the laughs, you know, all that. But it was a big turning point for me because that there I realised I didn't have work-life balance. And you, you, you use the term married to your business. 
bad. It's well, unfortunately, you I are. mean, we're all the three of us <laughs> are, are nodding, yeah. yeah. And and you kind of have to in a way, but no choice. Uh, life balance, I guess, now moving forward, say twenty years, is is a lot more important because mental health is is a lot mm. more prevalent in the Huge. world um, as it should. So, yes, yes. Uh, would you agree that it has changed? As in, the expectations have changed. Look, it's changed. All I'll say, it's you. It's like you were at this meeting today, Brad. Um, uh, sorry, um, Buzz. Somebody said that to me today, and it was in in a different sort of context. And I said, but you started this business. You wanted this. You know, so you know what you're getting yourself into. But what you didn't do, you didn't do the pre-training. You didn't put the mouth guard and you weren't ready for the fight that was about to happen. And that's business. Because, you know, in, in business, I always say this, and I used to get told off for saying this, and from the, some of the big accounting firms, I say, you're at war. And people, oh, that's not a good way to look at it. But think about this carefully. You know, you've got work. Someone's trying to take that off you, so you're protecting it. And then how do you grow? You've got to take somebody else's work, right? So in you go to rip off someone. Not rip off, but, you know, you go to take some other work. They're not happy. So where you're at, you're at war. Keeping what you've got, taking somebody else's work, growing your business, million things happening. Mental health comes down to fitness, what you eat, what you do. That we had a zero drinking policy. We didn't go out. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. a million different things to make sure that we were ready for the next battle. We were ready every single day, ready to take on the world. You know. Well, speaking of battles, yes, yes. good segue. Yep. After ACG, you moved to on to be general manager for the Arnold Classic Sports Festival and work with the great man himself. How did you first find yourself in a room with the great Arnold Schwarzenegger? Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, my, myself and a dear friend of mine, Tony Doherty, who owns Doherty's Gyms, we've yep. been mates since uh, he moved from Bendigo to Melbourne. Myself and another bloke, Nick, were his first members, you know, 94. And he came to me and said, oh, I'm bringing Arnold. We're doing this Arnold sports thing. I didn't know what he's talking about, you know, and he wanted me to look after Arnold. I said, yeah, we'll do that. No problem, you know. That was in like October the year before. Mm. Fast forward, I go and catch up with him and he says, oh, I'm doing this event. And then we went through a list and I said, you know, well, let me look at this list. So you're missing about 100 items. He thought I was joking. So I went through his event list, checklist, and I said, where's this, where's that, this, this thing, that thing, that thing, <laughs> so you know. you became producer. Yeah. So out of nowhere, we be, well, we became partners, you know, and um, I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he says, oh, let's just do this bloody thing, you know. And it, it was absolutely massive, you know. And for us with Arnold... Uh, given that I had worked with, you know, you named the bands, you named the people, we did them. We did everyone you can possibly think of. So there was an old saying, you want fame or fortune, you know. So for me, I mean, it was great to meet Arnold and it was Arnold. You know, who doesn't like Arnold back, you know, in our days we grew up with him sort of thing. But Absolute icon. Icon. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest stars ever and, yeah. And can you share with our audience just how mm. difficult it is when working with a celebrity like Arnie? I mean, you can't underestimate his reach when you've got fitness, movies, politics it just it encaptures so much of the world really in our country but the world yes. how difficult is that great question and i'll and i'll answer it like this you gotta remember that we're a using his name for the event b we're not just running an event we're his business partner so we were partners with arnold right you gotta remember that arnold correct so many different elements you know bodybuilding number one mm. movies green energy um real estate the uh, philanthropy uh the list went on and on. And with that risk, Harry, am I right? Because he's not just a celebrity. No. Who, who knows who he might have rubbed up the wrong way well, the based governor. on there. Yeah, so. Yeah. No, no, risk high, very high. Uh, a lot of planning, a lot, of lot of planning behind the scenes and different things we had to do. And, I mean, it, it doesn't stop. It's 24-7 until you get him back to bed. And then, obviously, you know, we then start the day again. 
whether it's the gym, whether it's a bike ride, whether it's interviews, whether it's lunch, whether it's um, I need to meet these people, I've got to go here, I've got to do that. Quick private jet over the thing, I've got to come back. Well, you need to be back for the show at this time and keep the, keep the clock rolling and then making sure that everything's intact, in place. No room for error. He's a very smart man. I was going to say, and his professionalism being that he got into politics must have been at a level that maybe you hadn't seen before. Or, next level. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely next level. Very smart, very professional, very polite, um, friendly. We became friends. You know, uh, for me, I was lucky, call it lucky or whatever you want to call it, but I, I started here, then I ended up in Hong Kong and in Africa with him. So I did the tour, if you like, and become business partners in Hong Kong. Africa, a complete different ball game. Hong Kong, again, complete different ball game uh, so your approach to those events and those tours far different than say what they were here in absolutely. australia purely based on location and culture correct and so forth yeah like hong kong i'll give an example there you couldn't bring in supplements and products you know because you're a sports show but they yeah. have to go through a, a regulatory you got to do all these things and a, a huge event that's massive in the u.s was pole fitness well they didn't want it in hong kong it was offensive and rude they saw it as a you know, strippers that's how mm-hmm. they they were yeah. putting it out there you know and but it was far from. Um, so getting them to conv- convincing them that that's got to be done. The richest people in the world were in Hong Kong that wanted to be part of this event, uh, meeting their expectations. The CEO, who is their prime minister, at the time was Kerry Lamb. She was sitting there and we're at the prime minister's house having dinner with Arnold and these people. Huge, huge responsibilities, you know. I think there's, you know, that there's such momentous occasions in your life and your story in general, sort of from where it's come from, where where it is now but you're now working with life worldwide mm. which you started back in 2014 aimed at assisting business leaders in the community in particular you're one of the most positive and practical people you know we've ever come across uh, was this a simple transition of best using your natural skill sets in business and personality traits and all these stories you talk about to now be able to help others or where did this notion come from to, to go down this path, which is very different than the security guard in the back of the nightclub mm. on the door that's beefed up ready for a fight? Yeah. I mean, even I do go back to that, Brad, and I say to you, I worked at a pub that was, um, you know, my early, I was 19 and it was full of, I turned up just to be a fill-in and it was full of bikies and it was midday and back then it was, you know, I've got to say it as it is, it was topless barmaids, yeah. it was... You know, all these put the jug around, have all the builders and labourers and all the tough blokes put ten bucks or five hundred, what it was, dollar spirits, two bucks, this or whatever. Or, you know, <clears throat> and you remember these people are drinking from midday onwards, and it was chaos. And the bikers would look after the the girls and they'll rah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And I remember then working one out. I had to learn very quick um, that I'm not going to win this war. You know, I'm not going to win. I might win a couple of fights here, but I'm not going to win the <laughs> war. So I had to learn very quick to turn this negative into a positive, and I did. So I become friends with them but in a different way where I didn't allow them to control me but it started from that point on and the positivity for me. I, we didn't do negative in our business. I don't do negative. My wife says, you know, not everything's like that. And I said, you know, my father passed away in my arms. You know, the bloody cop the heart attack and whatever. And I said, what do I do? The bloke's dead, mate. You know, like what do you do? You can't do anything about it, right? Just remember him for everything that was good and we move on and, you know, the Greek priest there is like, oh, we're going to do this. I said, what are you going to do, mate? The bloke is done. You know, mum was crook. Mum had tumours since I was 17 years old. She's got a half a head, one tooth, one arm, one leg still going, this lady. So if you want to talk about positive, it's 100%, right? But negativity breeds failure. I didn't allow anything to creep. I don't do it. I don't let it creep in. Somebody starts talking garbage, I pull it up, mate. It's enough of that, you know. What are you talking about? Let's just get back on track. What's the solution? We've got the problem. What's the solution? And in business, that's where the money is, the solution, right? So I do go into these businesses. And unfortunately today, it's all about, um, and we're talking as it is, right? 
everyone's on the cocaine, everyone's on the drugs, everyone's doing all these stupid things. And one of my mottos, as you know, I always say, it's yep. just say no to drugs, you know. It's easy to say yes. It's easy to – I've been married to my wife, I think, this year or next year, 30 years, you know. Well, I had that break, 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> minus one day. Bitch, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 24 hours. But um, I've never played up on in my life, you know, um, because you've you got to create your disciplines. You've got to create your loyalties. If you're not loyal and disciplined, you know, you've, you, if you're – you fall for anything, what do they say? You bloody uh, lost the, the, the chain of thought there. But, you know, you, you, you've got to be solid, you know, and you want a solid team around you and you're bringing up kids and you're talking to people. I'm, to, I'm telling you from experience, but I'm telling you that's what I do. There's no in-between. There's no, oh, I want to do that. Well, we're not doing that with me, mate. It's not going to work, you know. Very um, black and white. And, and just to backtrack a bit too with Life Worldwide, just tell us a bit about, so you're going into what, businesses and what, telling mentoring your story them. or mentoring? Yeah, and telling them. Out. They all want to know a story, so we tell them a story. But Life Worldwide, life... Leadership is for everyone worldwide, you know. Uh, I, I, I went and met a guy called Robin Sharma. He's a big leadership guy. Yeah, yep. um, I just went there for fun. I read the book and I thought, oh, I'll just go there. Long story short, become friends with him. And I kept going back in Canada, Toronto. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we became great friends and it was just amazing. These are guys all on Steve Jobs' deathbeds, you know, next level people, you know. And that's what I was saying, you know, if you stand for nothing, you fall for everything, right? So... I go into these businesses, I mentor them. I, one of my big things is to connect you. So if I can connect you to this guy, to that, to him, to her, uh, to grow your business, to make it better, to give you the instructions, but no, no fluffing around. You know, if you've been an idiot, I'll tell you you've been an idiot, you know. I just did a huge presentation to a, to a big um, construction firm, if you like. First thing they want to do is get on the piss after. And I said, if you do that, I'm not doing it. I said, I'd love to see everybody go home with their families after my presentation. And they said, you know what, you're right. I said, I'll put some pizzas on. Yeah. No grog. Wow. It's just the concept. Let's just do this. Let's just have one. <clears throat> one for you is ten for him. You know? and, and why do you think they said yes to that? Because they saw how passionate I was and I identified the issues in their business. And they were cultural. Drug, yeah. cultural, cultural, all this. Yeah, right. Which is, <coughs> you know, you're so people focused and – You've got to focus on the purpose of being the good human. I know that's one of your sayings, um, you know, first and foremost, and how that transpires into business leadership. You know, we're seeing a lot of change in leadership styles at the moment, particularly with Gen Z, um, value alignment, culture building. In particular, I'm interested in your thoughts on Gen Z in the business sense and also your opinion on valuing empathy more in business. Yeah, look, I think business has certainly evolved there's amazing businesses out there. There's one-man businesses. There's hundreds of thousands of people. There's all the different types of businesses, right? Everybody likes to see an opportunity and try to do something different. But I think so many people forget why. You know, what's the end result? You know, so you, you want to make all this money, but then you don't know what, why, how, who, you know, who's coming on the journey. You know, who have you burned? Who you're not going to burn? You know, who's, who's in with you, you know? And so many people that I speak to just – they're not sure. They're unsure. And then they're scared to bring people in because they're going to take it or that's not them, you know, because this podcast, right, we're, we're talking to these microphones, right, but if there was an audience, would some people have the same conversation? Probably not, yeah. you know, of the seats of 2000 because yep. they won't because nah. there's no one there. I'll just say, what do I like to the microphone? It's blah, also blah. distractions, Harry, yes, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as I often say to our guests um, kind of after we turn the microphones off, how often do you sit stand for an hour without the distraction of a phone in front yeah. of you. And you have a genuine conversation. It's Correct. not, not, not common. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I had a client of mine who said he's having dramas at home. The kid's always on the phone and blah, blah, blah. And I said, 
Because we've got a discipline at home. They, they call me the, um, they nickname me my family because there's nothing on. No TV, no, no. Well, we're eating food. It's the boardroom. We're having yep. a meeting, right? So how's your day? Show, you know, blah, 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 all this. And a client of mine said to me, I've got this problem. Blah, blah, blah. I said, take this device home. It's a, um, it, it's designed so that you don't get car bombs. So you switch this thing on. You can't get it and whatever. But anyway, I'll get you one if you want one. <laughs> but you put it in your car so they can't activate it, you know. So he went home. I said, you've got to do the theatrics because they're going to cut the internet. It cuts everything out, all the signal and everything. Yeah, wow. I said, but you've got to be the first yeah. one that does the theatrics. You know, you walk in and start saying, what's going on? My bloody phone's not working. So you start it. Turn it on, put it in a pot plant somewhere, hide it. The whole house will be down, and then when your time's right, go and switch it. Turn it back on. But he said, "I need one. I definitely need one." Get you on, right? So he was uh, he was in shock because he said it was the first time we all sat and had this massive conversation that we hadn't had, and they planned a trip, the restaurant that his wife's been trying to get him to go to. She saw it on TV and all this stuff, and he said it wouldn't have happened. He's a high powered CEO, you know. So small example. And it's interesting we talk about Gen Z in particular. You know, they're so digital and device driven in particular, but, you know, and a lot of business owners are saying, well, I can't get them involved in my business because they're just fixated on these devices and how do I engage them? And you go back to some pretty core points there of we just need to teach them. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. They're still human beings. They're no still problem. people. Yeah. There's no problem there. You, but you do need to educate them because they haven't been taught up to this no. point. So no. they don't understand the difference between the two. Uh, and I think your methodology about the way you're going about it is plain and simple and clear yeah. and, and being honest com- communication and yeah. conversation. But there's, yeah. also, there's also balance because that's yeah. the reality of the world. I mean, totally. we, we all do it. We can't just say, oh, the kids are doing this. We are all on our phones. No, so that's fine. But it's oh, a yeah. balance. Yeah. And it is balance. It's, you know, and it's like anything, you know, digital devices is, is addictive. It's just like alcohol or drugs or these other problems that we have. It's all okay. Drugs, not so much, but alcohol, it's okay in moderation, for example. Yeah. It's when we yeah. become addicted to it that it's an issue. Discipline. Um, you yeah. know, the other big one is break bread. You know, yeah. break bread. Yeah. Go have out for meal. lunch. You know, you have a meeting. Why don't you go yeah. break bread? Talk. Yep. The amount of good deals that have been done on the back of the serviette and uh, oh, in a that. restaurant or a pub or, or so, so to speak. Absolutely. Hey, what are some of the key focus areas you think for small and medium-sized businesses now and into the future, particularly those in the event industry given your background? The event industry, I would say, you know, I, I like what Melbourne Park's doing at the moment, if I'm allowed to say that. You know, oh, yeah, it's, it's a destination point. It looks fantastic. It's, you know, they've evolved, they're evolving. They're not sitting still. And that's what all the – I think many events need to do that and I think these food things come in. You know, it's huge. Let's all bring the best chefs and the best foods and, you know, is that going to stick around for a long time? I don't know. You know, but it's got to be a, you know, we've gone through the fan experience and all that. I think you want you, everybody wants to get there safe, get there on time, be able to get on public transport or an Uber. You don't want to have this disaster like they did at the tennis, 300 bucks to go from here to there and all this. So if if they don't, if they don't start doing something about all that, you're going to continue having these problems, right? Um, But getting everybody involved, everybody's got to protect the brand. You know, everybody's got to understand why you're here. Because I'll give you an example. I'll never forget this, that. I had to present at the LOCOG, which was London Olympic Games Committee. They wanted me to do a presentation about something, right? This was in London, which I did. And they played this magnificent video, you know, and it's always got the runner, you know, the people running Olympic Games and they're sprinting and whatever. But the cleaner, the guard, the the, the caterer, whatever, they're never, ever going to see an athlete in their life in the basement on the bottom yeah, somewhere. Right. You know, it's not going to happen. But how do you make those people – Protect the brand. How do you make these people at all these events understand why they're so important that everybody, you know, and I think they're forgetting that. And unless they do something about it, you're going to continually have problems. Which goes all the way back to your ACG story of getting your team and your employees on board with your story and your mission and your purpose and your beliefs, which are then 
builds the culture. And, and so I was going to say, fundamentally, that's what you're reiterating in life worldwide and yes. the messaging mm-hmm. that you're portraying. Yes. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, it takes everybody to run these events. We all know that. You oh. know, it is the cleaner. It is the everyone. The cook. Yeah. It needs everyone. Everybody. Everybody so. needs a pat on the back. Everyone yep. wants the hug. Everyone needs to be said, hello, yep. thank yep. you. Yeah. Is it hard? Yep. Not hard. How do you walk? Straight? How do you walk past people and not say hello to them? And Arnie can't do what he's doing because no. without your help and your guidance and everybody else underneath no. you, and so these, so everybody in the food chain from the top down. I think it's an important part top. that we sometimes overlook when we come to events in particular. You know, we design and we produce and we deliver based on those at the top of the pedestal, mm. and not necess- And we kind of forget about everybody yeah. underneath. Not that everybody needs to be out in the limelight, no, 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 but no. it to understand the complexities that go into and the volume of people and the volume of these teams Correct. that go into the, the delivery components. Correct. Without them, you don't have the no, result. No, absolutely. No, no, you're on a roll there. That's great. Have you So with Life Worldwide, and I want to bring back to events a little bit, have you actually carried out any presentations or, or you know, mentoring in the event space based on your experience? In the event space specific, um, just a couple of event companies that I've gone and spoken to. Um, but no, my, mainly they've been all big businesses. Different, okay. I mean, yeah. And so what does the future look like for Harry Chorus? The future? Retired, millionaire, you know? No. Nah. The future for me, I look, I always say if you retire, you expire, right? So uh, I want to keep giving, keep giving back and keep growing what I'm currently doing uh, and you know, uh, hopefully that for generations to come, people can say, you know what, yep, that's that's true and correct and that's fantastic and that bloke did say that and Life Worldwide did this and that and for me that's more than enough, you know, and for my kids to be happy to know that, you know, their, their father did, did a good job, you know. And still sitting on a chair next to Nick and Julian, right? Standard procedure. Yeah. <laughs> still having a barbecue in Brunswick in the back lane and... 50 lambs, you know, the Greeks. Please tell those Sunday legends lunch. I said g'day, okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, 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 you know. Sunday lunch at Harry's place this Absolutely, week. Absolutely, yeah. So, hey, we like to wrap this up with uh, with Buzz's rapid fire questions. Rapid fire, so right. buckle in because these are the hard-hitting this ones. One. Mouth uh, yeah, You'll need yeah. every one of Mouth, your skill okay. sets yes. uh, to get through this one. Are, Go for it, Buzz. Are you concentrating? Oh, you're, I'm you're ready. I'm okay. Ready. First. First. Favourite Arnie film? Commander. Nice. I wouldn't have thought that. But, yes, very good. It's a weird one. <laughs> what's your, here's one. What's your bench press? PB. Oh, now you're giving secrets away. I, I don't know in things, but I two plates. So two. Yeah, four, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Two big plates, I two reckon. Big, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on each side. So, yeah, just in case. Yeah, what are we two doing? 50, yeah, 120, give or take. A bit more. Yeah. 120, 130. Yeah, nice. I can't do that. No. Um, <laughs> most memorable event experience that you have worked on or seen? Best concert ever for me, and I say it's a concert, was ACDC. Which Just, one? Uh, the Yes, and you can say that. Was that uh, obviously the Telstra Dome and they had the horns? And oh, I yeah. what it was called, but it was amazing. It was just incredible. Yeah, I do remember that one. Favourite place to travel? Funny enough, I love going to Thailand um, for many things, you know, the relaxation, but I like to go there. I'll do a two-week training camp there, which I uh, love, yep. fitness right, camp cool. and that. So, yeah. I did the Muay Thai. Beautiful. Boxing Thai. Awesome. awesome. Loved awesome. it there. Yep. Best way to spend a Sunday? Oh, well, every Sunday I go to church. Greek Orthodox. So I do go to church every Sunday and then I'll spend it with my family. Excellent. Love it. So you, so your best Sunday is your lot. Like you live it every it. Sunday. Every Sunday. No issue. That's fantastic. Yeah. What scares you? Scares me. Uh, 
Not much after what we've heard. No, I think but there I must know. be something in Not life that scares you. I mean, look, the tough stuff is what yeah. it is, you know. But yeah. In life, I think I think what scares me is um, making a, a bad mistake, you know. Not not doing what I said I was going to do. That's just, I think it's, that's no good. Good answer. Okay, last one, Harry. The one piece of advice that you share the most, and I'm really interested to hear this. I love it, you know. It's just don't be a shit human. Don't be a shit person. Don't be a bad person. Don't be a bad human. Be a good human being. It's not hard. It's, uh, it's not hard. No matter what, you know. I Yeah, it's just be a good person. I love it. Well, I reckon that's a great way to wrap that up. So, hey, Harry, thank you for joining us on An Event for Life. It's, uh, it's been an absolute privilege to chat and uh, and hear your stories and uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, and being able to share your life with our audience and, and all of us as well. It's uh, certainly insightful and, and a different one. Yes. Um, but uh, you've certainly lived it to the most. I'm sure there's plenty more to come. <laughs> Absolutely. No, Thanks, look, Harry. Appreciate thank you, you Shane. In. And, you know, thank you, Brad. And congratulations to all of you with what you're doing. And, you know, you're giving something back to the industry that needs it. So, you know, uh, and it's great to see. So good luck. Cheers, you know, mate. Much appreciated. Done. Thanks, Thanks mate. Thanks for listening to An Event for Life. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to listen to more episodes. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. And this podcast is produced by EOS Creative. See you next time on An Event for Life.